Yes, 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 people. Easing into this one with the sultry sounds of Liana Lahavis. Album dropping tomorrow. Hey, you definitely need to go cop that because whoo, she sings like an angel. But people, let's get into this week's episode. We got a bumper one. Four films were dropping on you this week. But before we get to that, let's look at the top 15 films streaming in the UK right now. Okay, so at number 15, we've got The Hunt, which is from director Craig Zobel. It's starring Betty Gilpin, Emma Roberts, Hilary Swank, and Ethan Suplay. At number 14, um, we've got Knives Out. That's from Ryan Johnson, starring Anna de Amas, Joseph Gordon Levitt, Chris Evans, Daniel Craig. And uh, we talked about this one on, uh, whoa, last year's London Film Festival edition of the podcast, and it was on volume eight. All right, at number 13, people, we got Jumanji The Next Level. That's from Jake Kasadin, uh, starring Karen Gillan, Dwayne Johnson. Danny DeVito and Aquafina. At number 12, we got Le Mans 66, aka Full V Ferrari. That's from James Mangold, starring Christian Bale, Matt Damon. Great performances. Uh, John Bethnal and uh, Katatrina Balfi. And that was London Film Festival. Volume 9 last year Uh, So at number 11 Bad Boys for Life And that's from Bilal Falaf And Adil El Arbi Starring Will Smith Martin Lawrence Vanessa Hodgins And Alexander Ludwig Now we hit that top 10 Onward is taking that one So it's from Dan Scanlon And we've got a voice cast of Chris Pratt Octavia Spencer Tom Holland Julia Louise DeFravis And Ali Wong At number 9 We've got Dark Waters people This is from Todd Haynes Starring Mark Ruffalo And Hathaway Tim Robbins and Bill Camp And we talked about it Episode 95 So just the other week Alright, number 8 We got The Joker Um, Yo, that was on a Christmas episode If I remember correctly Um, And get Todd Phillips uh, Starring Jackie Phoenix Robert De Niro, Zazie Beats, and Francis Conroy. At number seven, it's 1917 from Sam Mendes, starring George McKay, Dean C. Chapman, 
Richard Madden and Benedict Cumberbunch. At number six, it's The Invisible Man. So this is from Lee Wanell, starring Elizabeth Moss, Oliver Jackson, Aldis Hodge and Storm Reed. At number five, people, we got Doolittle. So this is from director Stephen Gagan, starring Robert Downey Jr., Tom Holland, Emma Thompson and Selena Gomez. At number four, it's uh, Birds of Prey, Harley Quinn from Kathy Yan, starring Margaret Robbie, uh, Jumi Smollett, Ewan McGregor and Mary Elizabeth Wanstead. At number three, we got Frozen 2 and this is from Jennifer Lee and Chris Buck. Voice cast, Kristen Bell. Adina Menzel, Jonathan Groff, and Josh Gad. At number two, people, it's Sonic the Hedgehog. It's Jeff Fowler's film with Jim Carrey, James Madden, Neil McDonald, and Tom Butler. And at number one, got Military Wives. So this is from Peter... Catanio, starring Shannon Horrigan, Kristen Scott Thomas, Amy James, and Gabby French. And we looked at this in episode 78. So before we get to our films, let's uh, hear a little bit of information. Okay. Okay, film fans. This will be of interest to you. Today, Cinema Showtime, an Indiegogo crowdfunding multimedia project designed to reunite film fans following the coronavirus lockdown, has launched. They will be working in partnership with Medi Cinema, the charity that brings the magic of film to hospitals. Cinema Showtime is a project that is looking forward to a time when re- restrictions are lifted and we can start going and doing what we love again. Going to the pictures. It is looking forward to a time when we can watch rescheduled movies that we have been waiting to see for months on the big screen with our friends. The current guidelines suggest that we can expect to see cinemas reopen to the public from July the 4th. Perhaps that will be our own Independence Day. (laughs) What the Cinema Showtime project involves production and distribution of a free glossy magazine written by film experts and packed with the ultimate preview of every movie being released between November the 20th and August the 23rd. Sorry, that's November 2020 to August 2021. This will include the latest release dates, info, features, interviews and more. Staging a one-off live event in a prominent London venue called Cinema Showtime Live, 
that fans and contributors will be invited to attend. This will include a fan lottery with incredible prizes and money can't buy merchandise and experiences also creating an online site and newsletter that celebrates the return of cinema with up-to-the-minute news and information production unique and exclusive merchandise to tie in with the event and film releases and also 10% of all contributions and money raised will go to the charity MediCinema to assist with their work. The teams behind Cinema Showtime, Creative Path Group Limited, Strike Media Limited and My Film Club will be monitoring the latest coronavirus guidelines to ensure that what is planned will be sensible and time sensitive. The first glossy magazine is currently scheduled for October. As this proceeds, a number of major rescheduled movie releases for November onwards. These include No Time to Die, Black Widow, Soul, Free Guy, Peter Rabbit 2, Fast and the Furious 9, Top Gun Maverick, Coming to America 2, The Tomorrow War, Venom 2 and many more. Medi Cinema is a registered UK charity that builds and runs state-of-the-art cinemas in NHS hospitals which accommodate beds and medical equipment. They work to help improve patient well-being, resilience and recovery through the power of film and the shared cinema experience. Currently, their cinemas are suspended just like all regular cinemas across the country instead they are providing a free movie channel for patients to access at their bedsides during the long periods of isolation that come with restricted visiting hours we are raising money for them to keep these services running and to ensure their in-hospital cinemas can reopen when it is safe to do so um The MediCinema CEO, Kat Mason, said, We all miss being able to go out to see a film with friends and for our NHS patients who are more isolated than ever and not able to visit our in-hospital cinemas. It is even harder. This is such a wonderful initiative. Uh, We are so grateful for Cinema Showtime support, which will help ensure that our cinemas will reopen and that patients can once again have a break from the wards and their conditions to do what used to feel normal to all of us, to go and watch a great film. All right, so check out the links in this episode's information on how you can get involved with uh, Cinema Showtime. Great stuff. Okay, horror fans, you are going to be very happy because today 
Shudder has announced that it has renewed its hit original series, The Last Drive-In with Joe Bob Briggs, for a third season to air in 2021. Okay, the service also announced a special summer sleepover double feature pre-tape prior to quarantine that will feature a visit to the trailer park from horror filmmaker Adam Green, along with other surprise guests. The special episode will premiere on Friday, August the 14th at 9pm Eastern, 6pm Pacific. Shudder is also planning several last drive-in specials for later this year and next year, with details to be announced later. So, Remember to mark those days in your diary, people, because, yeah, the driving fun is continuing. Okay, people, now we've got all of that out the way, let's, uh, yeah, let's get into this week's films. Sit back and enjoy. Okay, so Lake of Death is the new film from Nini Blubsham. Uh, she also wrote the film. Well, let's say adapted the film, okay? Because um, it's, it's a loose kind of adaptation of a 1942 novel that was then adapted into film in, I think it was 58. Uh, The film is called Lake of the Dead, and it's credited as um, sparking uh, the Norwegian interest in horror. Okay? So, um, yeah, the film is uh, starring Patrick Wash McBride, uh, Ulrich von der Isch, uh, Ibn Akeli, uh, Elise Munk, Jonathan Habor, and Sophia Lee. Okay. So the gist of the film is this, a year after her twin brother mysteriously disappeared, Lillian and her friends head to the old family cabin to say their goodbyes. But soon after they arrive, eerie and gruesome events begin to occur. As the lines between reality and Lillian's nightmares blur, She must fight both an external and internal struggle to stay alive. Is a a horrific local legend becoming reality or is the real enemy among them? Okay, so the film. Oh, man. (laughs) This, uh, yeah, kind of creepy. Kind of creepy. Um, it starts off 
um, you know, we've got kind of some eerie music playing, and uh, we're on a boat, okay, so you've got, um, what we then discover is Lillian and her brother on a boat, okay, so um, Lillian is played by Ibn Akali, and her brother Bjorn is Patrick Walsh McBride, and uh, yeah, so we open up with this scene, like they're not talking, so our brother's kind of, it's kind of like sign language, and it, it seems you're not quite sure how to play this scene, right, because there definitely seems like there's this intimacy there, but also, like, it seems, seems awkward, it it seems like there's something weird happening, because she, you know, there's times and she'll be smiling when he's looking at her, and then other times she's just like, she has this look of tension, worry and concern on her face, Uh, so we kind of open up with that, then the film kind of, um, we're looking around like the interior of somewhere, which we then learned to be the cabin, right, and we've got, um, yeah, Lillian and her friends on a, uh, on a train, so they're, you know, on a train, having fun, they arrive at a place, Lillian kind of gets out, and meets a guy, he gives her a hug, it's like, you can see he's really happy to see her, she seems a bit apprehensive, and, like, you know, he's like, oh, I miss you, and blah, 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 so it's just like, okay, there's some, there's some sort of romantic attachment here, but then what, because, you know, she also seems close with someone else on the train, so it's just like, yo, what's happening, man, (laughs) she uh, got all the dudes, like, what, and we're slowly learning, um, you know, about her twin brother, right, and so her twin brother's disappeared, and we're just like, okay, hmm, what is going on, right, so, um, then we've got, you know, so two of her friends, swimmers, you know, Sophia and Harold, but Sophia had an accident and can no longer swim, um, her other friend, um, you know, Gabriel, he's a, I don't know, Gabriel, well, he's got, he seems to be like a horror enthusiast, right, and so he, he keeps on going on about his podcast, and you get the sense that everyone just finds him a little bit, you know, a bit of a joker, 
you know, a little bit much at times, as it were. So, yeah, it's all kind of, you know, building like this. And you can tell that Lillian has concerns, right? Every, like, when she's walking up to the house, she doesn't seem to, you know, everyone's walking, she just stops. She seems worried. And then you get the sense, like, wait, did she see something at the window? Oh, we don't know. And and it, this is the thing. So it's building up this tension, right? The film's building up the tension. Like Lillian's dog, he doesn't want to come into the house. So there's all these things that are kind of telling you, ooh, this is a little creepy. Ooh, do we really want to come here? There's problems. Ah. And they're, you know, so they drop everything at the house, they go to the lake, they're swimming, well, everyone's swimming apart from Lillian, right, and then, like, you know, and people ask her questions, which we then find out later in the film, it's just like, wait, what, you know what I mean, like, wait, why are you, huh, like, the questions don't make any sense, from what we then learn, you know, it's a bit weird, it's a weird one, um, but on the pier, right, when they all get out and they're sitting around, we find out, you know, the, the mythology of the place, the secret, the, the spookiness, you know, the, the thing that kind of ties you all in, and is a reason for concern and worry. So Kai, who is the guy that they meet and drives them to the place, you know, Gabriel's asks him, um, you know, for an understanding of what's going on, right? And so he tells them about a, you know. This legend, this local legend. Oh no, sorry, it's not Gabriel. The podcaster is Bernard. Bernard, yes. Um, Gabriel is the one that used to date Lillian as well. My apologies, people. Um, but yeah, so Bernard, he, he, you know, he asked Kai, "Oh, tell us about you know the legend and all of this." So we get this legend of a guy. In 1920s Who Supposedly got hypnotised And you know then did all these things And You know So it's like oh Is the lake haunted Is there you know this bad juju Around the place Right So this is the kind of setup, And we have them referencing You know old horror films Like Evil Dead and I think someone says cabin in the woods and all of this. So we, we're having all of this and the film, you know, it's, we got this eerie music playing at times. And they do like these slow shots, do these slow shots and these double take shots. You know, Lillian, she's kind of having the sense that she's seeing things. 
You know, when she looks down into the lake when they're all swimming, she sees a couple of leaves and she gets a, a sense of presence. So we have all of this. You know, she keeps on thinking that she's seeing like ooze and like this black liquid and a, you know, just a presence all the time. So like this is our kind of framework. And slowly, like, stuff happens that's hard to explain, right? But Lillian is the only one who we kind of get the sense is seeing anything. No one else seems to be doing that. But the others are kind of driving themselves, uh, well, the others are... Kind of being egged on by Bernard, it would seem. Because when weird things happen, he's like, oh, it could be this, or oh, do we trust that person? And blah, 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 blah. But, like, I don't know. It's like, because I would say that the feel of the film is really, it's good. Like, tonally, like, it really gets you, you know, in that weird kind of mood. Like, it's a psychological, eerie, paranormal kind of thing, right? Um, and, yeah, the, the acting, the acting is decent. I, although Lillian, <laughs> I hope she does... F- it it kind of seems like there's something else. Like, she's out of place a bit. Because she's all twitchy and... But no one else is. Right? And... You don't get the overall sense that... You know, she's really that connected with anyone else in this group. Right, so there's things about this whole story that you're not quite sure about. Like, how long has everyone been friends? You know, we know that Sonia and Harold, um, they haven't been dating that long. Maybe a year, something like that. But we don't really know how long everyone else has kind of known each other. Like, Lillian used to date... Gabriel, they've split up, but we don't know how long they dated or anything like that. We don't really know how long, like, Henry has been involved. So it's just like, what are these connections, right? Do they really all trust each other? Like, what? But they've all come to this thing. So it's just like, hmm, what's going on here? Right, so there's that because things happen. Like um, Harold wakes up one day and he's got duh on his head, which I think is means dead. Right, translated, it's dead. No one really is bugged out about it, right? So certain things happen and no one really, eh, they're just like, eh, whatever. 
And Lillian's the only one that's like overly freaked out. Right? So it's it's a weird one like that. Because yeah, you're kind of like it doesn't really make any sense. Like we've got Bernard um trying to stoke the flames, but everyone's just like, ah, you've got this stupid podcast. You know, this ghost podcast. And you're always playing pranks and blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, it, it, it's kind of this weird fit at times. Because you've got Lillian jumping at every single thing. And no one else seems to care. Like, there's a, they discover this big thing. Like, this huge thing. And everyone just acts like it's not that much, right? So it's odd in that sense. Like, the film is creepy as hell. Like, I jumped so many times, and I am very glad I watched this during the day, <laughs> you know? Um, so there's that. Um... It's it's a like because it's subtitled. I didn't know it was a foreign film, right? You know, I was offered to film. I was like, yeah, 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 sure, I'll check it out. But yeah, it's so it took me a long time to watch, having to pause it and try and do the subtitles. So I probably you know missed things. Maybe there's like little pointers that I didn't quite pick up on because I'm trying to read the subtitles and all of that. But, yeah, it, it, it does seem a bit of a mishmash on, you know, how it's kind of been put together. But as I said, look, Lillian, she isn't acting anywhere like everyone else. So there's that. And, you know, it's one of those weird ones, right? So I think... It's, it's This is set in modern times. Because they've all got new mobiles and all of that. But everyone does all these weird things. Like, you know, you go off on your own. And it's just like, look, you'd all have seen horror films. So you know not to go off on your own. Right? So they're, all, like, they're doing these odd things at times that make no sense. But then, when the way the film ends, you're kind of confused with, did everything that I've just seen actually happen? Like, hmm, what, up to what point did these things happen? And who's still around? I was a little confused with that. Now, I'm not saying the end is bad, right? Because I think what we what we learn at the very end is a big thing of why Lillian was so freaked out about coming back, right? So we pick that up. We pick up why, you know, the beginning was so weird, and it seems 
there's an offness to the connection. So we work that out. And yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You know, it's creepy as fuck, but it makes a lot of sense. But because of that, because we get that, we're just then it's a bit like, wait, but what about everyone else? You know, because we get a scene and we see certain things, but then there's another scene and we don't see those things. And so it's just like, ah, what's visions? What's, ah, I'm not quite sure. I'm a bit freaked out. I'm not quite sure what has happened. Like, you know, when it finishes, you see, okay, so these two people, I don't know about anyone else, but it's weird. And then this other thing happens at the very, very end. And you're just like, okay, so I don't know what this is. I really don't know what this is. So, yeah, it it keeps you on your toes, I guess, with, is this, like, a paranormal film? Or is this just weird psychologies of fucked up people? So there's that. Um... And, yeah, like, as I said, look, tonally, it shot extremely well. It shot extremely well. Um, It is slow, but I don't mind slow. Um, When, you know, the story is kind of intriguing. And the story is intriguing. Like, there are a lot of holes in it. Right? There's a lot of holes. Because we don't know... As I said, look, why everyone, why everyone came, you know, if they're all actually friends, because there's things that make you wonder, like, we don't know why Kai didn't stay, even though supposedly he's in love with Lily, like, there's things that are confusing, there's things that you kind of need answers to, because we just don't get them. Right, so there's all of this, but it's not a bad watch, right? It's going to make you jump. Like, I jumped so many times, um, and I did, you know, it's enjoyable. I, it's not going to blow you away, you know? I wouldn't say it's as good as... Um, some of the previous Shudder stuff, you know, like uh, Blood Quantum or, um, you know, Yummy or, you know, any of those, a Lake House, but it's still enjoyable, you know, and I guess it's, um, you know, if you like stuff like... Well, probably the stuff it mentions, right? You know, the evil dead, cabin in the wood. Um, And you probably, you know, maybe the original film that it's kind of based on. You know, Lake of the Dead. So, yeah, I guess if you're a fan of those sort of things, then, you know, this will be intriguing to you. This will be worth a check. Uh, It's on Shudder today, right? Makes its debut today, people. So, uh, yeah, if you like a psychological, 
paranormal, weird kind of teen adventure. Then Lake of Dead um, is going to be something that you'll want to check out. So check the details of the episode and there will be a, a code where you can get a month, a month free trial of Shudder if you don't already have it. Okay, people? So, yeah, there you go. Okay, so, the disappearance on Clifton Hill. That's, uh, yeah, just finished that, people. It's directed by Albert Shin, uh, who also co-wrote the film, along with James Shorts. It's produced by Fraser Ash and Kevin Crisk. It's uh, starring Tuppence Middleton, Hannah Gross, Marie-José Cruz, Andy McQueen, Noah Reed, Dan Lett, Aaron Paul, Connor Jessup, Elizabeth Sanders, Maxwell McCabe-Locos, and David Cronenberg himself. Yes. Uh, the... Um, Music is from Alex Sawonski and Leland Whitty. And the cinematography is Catherine Lutz. Okay, so the gist of the film is this. When Abby, who's played by Middleton, returns to her hometown of Niagara Falls after her mother dies, she comes, becomes obsessed with a fragmented memory from her childhood. A kidnapping she believes she witnesses. Um, she is reunited with her estranged younger sister, Law, and they attempt to settle her, their mother's estate, involving the sale of the family motel. But Abby's compulsive desire to reconcile her past grows increasingly out of control. Yeah, she soon finds herself drawn back into a mystery that has haunted her since childhood. As Abby sets out to discover the truth, she must confront a local eccentric, convince her sister and face her own demons. So we start off um, this film, uh, it's with Abby as a little girl. Right, so it's kind of setting the scene here, and her and her family were out by um by the falls. I'm imagining, right, the basin where it all goes into. Abby's on her own. I'm not quite sure what she's actually doing. She's got a bucket with a fish in it, but uh, yeah, odd, right? But while she's doing this. She stumbles upon a boy with one eye. He's got an eye patch. Uh, he, you know, signals her to be quiet. And then he goes. But he's apprehended by two people, a woman and a man, who beat him and stuff him in the trunk of their car. So, you know, she's shocked, obviously. But manages to I, I think we get the impression she manages to stay 
you know, unnoticed. She then goes back to her family, and while they're taking a picture, the car goes by, and we just have her kind of just fixed on this. And, and it's kind of a haunting scene. And I mean, the crazy thing, because she doesn't say anything, right? That's the, yeah, you have to give it up to the little girl that is playing young Abby because she's able to convey so much without, you know, without saying anything. And uh, yeah. That's pretty impressive. Uh, so we jump from this scene now, and we've got Abby on a bus coming back into town. And you know, she gets off, goes to a bar, has a drink, and she um bumps into a guy, you know, random stranger, uh sing. They have a drink, which starts to lead into something else, but that all kind of falls apart. Now, I think you can see what they're trying to do with that scene, but I kind of feel that the device in which they use doesn't quite work, right? Because although... What they have her say is kind of, it's a little odd, right? It's a little odd, but I don't believe the reaction would be what we see. You know, I I think in general, you might be like, what? Ugh, whatever, dumbass. You know what I mean? You play it like someone is... Messing around, you know, and you'd be like, Yeah, and I am as well. Should we light candle? You know, I mean, you would just play it off. I don't think you would run away, you know. I mean, it's it's a bit like, Wait, what? You know, um, but they're trying to show us with that scene the type of person that she is, right? So we go from that. To Abby and her sister in the lawyer's office, you know, sorting out the estate, and um, yeah, you know, that Abby finds out that they're gonna they're meant to be selling the Rainbow Inn, and she's just not into it. So this is the feel like this is how it starts. It's all very slow. But it's painting a picture and you are intrigued. So you're not really bothered. You know what I mean? Um, And then from there, she goes to her sister's for for dinner. Stumbles on some old photos, which then seems to trigger, you know, trigger the memories and leads her out onto this search. Right, so, um, you know, she goes back to the scene where she bumps into um, uh, Cronenberg's crazy character, Walter, you know, 
who, because at first you you you, you, know, you think, wait, what's in the water? What? Is this a monster film? And uh, no, it, it's water scuba diving. <laughs> so he, yeah, scuba. We find out he's a scuba diver, and he's got a, you know, a conspiracy mystery podcast <laughs> over the falls. Uh, so, yeah, it's all a bit like, hmm, okay, I see this developing into something, and we get, like, a lot of these quirky, intriguing things happen, you know, throughout the film, uh, now, like, one thing is, like, the quirkiness I, I, it, it, it's not fully played upon. You know, because if you think about things like, uh, oh, is it Mulholland Drive? I think it's Mulholland Drive, or you know, Twin Peaks. They're just weird, right? But they're just like, yeah, that's what we are, and they just go fully into it. Like Clifton Hills doesn't. Fully just jump into the weird You know, it's kind of tiptoeing around it, you feel um, But yeah, she, she, you know, she's going, you know, looking into this mystery that leads her uh, To do other things, right So she goes to the police with her brother-in-law um, And... Obviously, the guy in the police station ends up to be Singh, right? So we have that. And he, but you do feel that his then reaction in the police station is a little odd. You know what I mean? Because you just be like, all right, he, you've kind of, he might be apprehensive. But I don't know if you'd be showing it. You know, if you would show everything that he does. So, yeah, it's a little odd. But, you know, she then meets, um, you know, she then meets Charlie Lake. And we get this kind of situation moving from there. Now... The, the the whole kind of mystery itself, the disappearance, right, the murder, does all of this, it is intriguing, right, we're watching it and it's just like, huh, okay, so wait, what happened, wait, who's involved, what is it, but then, hmm, and so, like, you know, she stumbles upon all of these kind of things, like an old tape, like newspaper cuttings, you know, just all of this stuff, which, um, it is a little convenient, right, it is a little convenient how, like, these things all come together, and then, you know, she's also talking with Walter, but it's just like, huh, how is it, you know what I mean, like, nothing else has come from this, because there is, you know, he, Walter's got a conspiracy as well, 
And so you're just like, ah, do I, am I buying this? I don't know. It's intriguing though. I'm intrigued. So it grabs you like that with, you know, not really giving us a lot. It's a very kind of a slow paced film. It, it, it's like a river eroding a rock. Real slow. But it's going to happen. That that's, that's kind of how you feel about the story. It's just like, oh, it's slow. But I know I'm getting answers. Where are the answers? We've got some really good acting. You know? I, I really think that um, Tuppence Middleson... Like she does a good job with Abby because, yeah, I, I think Abby could be a very boring character, but she does kind of take you through the, the, the spectrum that she is. It makes you kind of like feel concerned for her, then a little like wait, what? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know if I like her. Right? You know, she it kind of plays you through all of that. So, yeah, I think she does a good job. Um, yeah, her sister, Hannah Gross, kind of really brings that to life. And that kind of weird situation between family. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, look, I love you, but you frustrate the fuck out of me, man. You know, so, yeah. It, it, it's, you know, Eric Johnson as Lake is a little bit mm, smarmy, you know. So we hit all of that. It, it's, it's, it's good. It's decent. I enjoy it. Then we get these kind of really subdued colours. Real subdued colours, some neon thrown in with the kitsy kind of, you know, touristy trap of Niagara Falls. So you have all of this. So you really get a kind of feel, right? This kind of downtrodden kind of sense of the film, which isn't, which isn't bad, you know? And as I said, look, you're, it's intriguing. You want to know what's going to happen. As things move on, right, you're getting thrown in different directions of this conspiracy. Yeah, it's just like, wait, it could be those. It could be that. Hmm. And you're just like, okay, all right, I'm on board with this. Mm, show me more. And more and more happens, Abby really puts herself in the middle of things, right? With certain stuff that you're just like, huh? Yeah, I mean, like there's a, a, a phone call and an offer made. And you do think to yourself, wait, but you're not going to question that? Don't you think that seems weird? Okay, right, so yeah, some odd stuff happens that it it is that convenient nature of this film, because 
a lot of this falls into place a little easy, a little easy, and you have, like, no information, and then people are kind of, "Mm, okay, I'll tell you, and you just, wait, what, right, okay, so you're freeing up this information, interesting, but it's like, oh, is am I truthful? Am I not? What am I doing here? So it's giving us all of this, right? Um, as the film goes on, we also find out that Avi could be a journalist or at least studied journalism. But then you kind of wonder about some of the things that she does, right? Like, journalists... Always two tape recorders, people. Always two tape recorders. Like, there's certain things that don't quite add up, you know, in the whole approach of it all, you know. So there's that. But, yeah, you you still are on board. Then with the end of the film, the end of the film is definitely, like... Hmm, okay. Alright, well, boom. Yeah. That kind of all came together quick. And then you're thrown something else. And you're just like, wait, what? Huh? So, why doesn't someone just... You're you're just a kind. You're very perplexed at the at the end. You're very friggin' perplexed. I'm just scratching my friggin' head here, people. And it's not a bad thing, right? It's not a bad thing, but you're kind of you. I don't know. I found myself going, wait, how is it? If that stuff was that like. Why didn't anyone, huh? It's all a little quick, don't you think? And then, wh- wait, why didn't you? Yo, there's some, there's a, there's some weird shit. There's some weird shit. But I do feel that people that are fans of stuff like, I don't know, Zodiac, Twin Peaks, Mulholland Drive, you know. People that enjoy that, I think you like this. You know, it is it's intriguing. It isn't badly put together. We got some real strong performances from the actors and actresses here. You know, the 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 music like really injects a creepy feel in places, kind of works. Right, just the, the you know, as they're using that uh, kind of bass and strings, and you know, does, does it instrument choice? You know, it it helps elevate the pieces. Okay, so we got that, and you know, the the, the way everything's lit, this murky kind of dark, creepy sense. You know, so all of that, yeah. It, it It's intriguing, it works, you know, now, 
as I said, there, there, there are things that seem to fall into place a lot. You know, and it, it does seem a bit simple sometimes. But I kind of think you can push that to a side. Because the film in itself, yeah, you can watch and go, hmm, alright, I'm intrigued. Alright, I'm, yeah, I'm in. I'm buying it. I'm following it. Let's see how this pulls out. So, uh, yeah, if you like that kind of film, then I think, you know, Disappearance at Clifton Hills is going to be a film for you. You know, so, um, it's not overly long, you know, okay, so it's it's a hundred minutes, you know, so hour 40, which isn't bad, you know, and I think it does move along, it's slow, but it does move along, it doesn't really drag, you know, at all. Um, and it's, uh, I believe it is an 18, okay, so, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I would say give it a go, it's out, um, on the 20th, okay, so it's out on, um, you know, SVOs, SVOs, SV, mm, you know what I mean, uh, digital platforms, so you can download it on the 20th, and the DVD will be coming out on the 3rd of August, okay, so there you go, people, there you go, Disappearance at Clifton Hill, um, yeah, worth a watch. Okay, so I just checked out Timing, which is the new film from director Alex Anderson, who also uh, wrote the film, right? It's, um, yes, starring a host of uh, New York comedians, which is um, always fun. So our main stars are uh, Mike Cannon, Grace Carley, and then we've got other people like um Christopher Boot, um Chris Crespo makes a a little cameo in it. So there's Tim Dillon, Mike Feeney, Derek Gaines. Um, we've also got you know the late Chris Cotton is up in there. Brian McCarthy, um. Yeah, Kate Wolf. I just yeah, loads of people, right? Um, and the gist of it is this: an aspiring stand-up comedian moves to New York City to pursue his dream, only to find himself in a love triangle with a girl and his career. So, uh, yeah, you know, um. Like it, it, it's playing with, uh, like it's an idea that you know it's it's not an old, um, lot of, sorry, it's not a new concept, right? And we, we hear, you know, like this is one thing that people always talk about, you know, it's like, ah, uh, 
if I'm doing comedy, can I do something else? Like, how do you weigh up those distractions and all of that? So it's kind of like, you know, how are they going to put this on the screen? And Cannon, you know, he's a funny fuck. Yeah, Irish Goodbye, you know, he's comedy special, which came out beginning of the year. Life begins just in the year where it kind of freezes, <laughs> which is uh, kind of funny, right? Um, but, yeah, I, I think, you know, the film, it, it starts off a little rocky. I ain't going to lie. You know, we we have him on stage doing a set, and he's kind of ranting, right? So we've got him kind of ranting, and then we kind of move into him doing his day job, and, like, just this whole interaction... Which kind of leads into his relationship, and I, I, I guess you know the, the the thing with the beginning, right? So the rant, I didn't like. I didn't really buy the rant. You know what I mean? Like, because we, I think we've heard. We've heard him rant, right? We've heard Canon like be hilarious and do these things, but in the movie, it 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 just stays a little one note, right? So you don't buy the energy, you know that that's there, because it seems I don't know, it it because the rant it does seem like it, it, he's being he's irritated with the situation rather than just telling a joke, right? So we have that, and then the whole, yeah, the, the I think the whole interaction with Carly at the, sorry, Gracie, um, at the beginning, it it does feel a bit forced and a little bit wooden. But I will say, Chris, the the moments with Chris Carton, like in the van, that works. Right, that works. That's amusing. That's nice, and it is the kind of odd thing about this film, right? So we we have these moments that, like, are fine, but are, they do feel a bit, a little bit wooden, right? They, I mean, wooden isn't quite the word, but you know, it's not really wooden, but they just feel a little, a little clunky, you know, just with the way it's all being played out, you know, like, um, when he meets up with his friends, okay, so after, uh, mm, I think it's Grace's birthday, right, um, and, yeah, he meets up with his friends in a coffee shop, and just that whole interaction just, it didn't really flow, right, it it felt, I I don't know if it was improv, but yeah, it just didn't really flow, it's hard to kind of, you don't really buy it, 
on an emotional level, like, you know, the words make sense and everything like that, but on that, you know, raw emotional level, mm, I didn't really buy it, you know what I mean, Um, and there's a few kind of bits like that throughout the film, you know, so that's a little, you know, that can throw you a bit, Right, but then you have these other kind of bits that, yeah, do really work. You know, I, I think it's like, um, ah, so they are, I think one is just the silly little interactions, right? So he's sitting with Grace at the, at the, the train station after her birthday. And he gives her a present, and that that works. That's a nice moment. That that feels real, you know. And it's and it's just kind of silly things like this, right? So I think when they're at the the train station, right, when it all kind of goes a little, and you have the the you know they have their heads together, and the camera moves in. And kind of goes around them a bit. That works. Them sitting at the table. Getting drunk. Like I didn't buy that they were drunk. Right? Didn't buy that they were drunk. But. What they were saying. You know. This is the thing right. (laughs) There's some conversations that don't flow that well. But then there's others. That really did. And I think that's one of those conversations that flowed and moved, right? Because, yeah, you're you're saying the stupid things like that. Like when they're painting. <laughs> you know what I mean? When, when they're painting and she's, like, really putting effort in and he's doing his thing. And she's like, wait, is that? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and it was just that the, the, the last comment he made It's just like, oh, you know, don't worry Mine's, mine's more accommodating <laughs> you know, So that, that's amusing as fuck, right? I enjoyed that Um, Yeah but yeah, it's, 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 you know, so you just had that, so there's a flow issue in that sense, right, and the film is split, it's kind of split into five parts, themically, you know, so it goes like, year one, year two, year three, and we end on year five, of, you know, him being in New York, trying to do this thing, trying to make it. Uh, and and that's how the story kind of moves, which, yeah, no, as an idea, I get behind that. You know, it is kind of good. You can see the progress. You can see the advancements and the things that are trying to be done here. You know what I mean? And like, you can tell it's an indie film, but it does have. This nice sentiment to it. I think the way it's filmed. Mm, well, I have an issue, but 
because they do a lot of this crazy close-up work, like, real motherfucking close at times, and it's just like, oh, yo, 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 can we step back a little, it's a bit too close, we're a bit too close, I'm feeling uncomfortable right here, you know, but, but, also, you know, I, I do think, at other times, they tap into the kind of immediacy, the intimacy of these moments, of these situations, you know, it because the camera's always moving, so it kind of feels like, you know, we're flowing with them, you know, we're on this journey with them, and I liked that, just when the camera was a little bit back, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> yeah, uh, we had some good moments, we had, like, we had some good moments, and we had, um, you know, we had things that you're just like, oh, yeah, I know what that fucking feels like, man, I know what that fucking feels like, oh, that's brutal, you know, just like some of the times in the bars and there's not that many people and you're trying to get people fucking, you know, listening and in, you know, yeah, that's always a tough one. That's real. Yeah, you, you they did they definitely kind of got that feeling right. Um, I didn't think at the very beginning, you know. The whole, the bit where Chris Crespo kind of cameos. That's a little bit forced. You know what I mean? There's a bit, a bit of that Kanye moment. You know? I'm, I'm not starting until everyone stands. Every fucker in his face needs to stand. You know what I mean? It's like you knew what was coming. You know? But, like, um, the Tim Dillon. Whew. Tim, because, look, I feel we've all been in those situations where you've got, like, your partner's fucking friend and they're making these digs at you and you want to tell them to go fuck themselves, but you can't. And so you're just having to stand there and grin and bear it. And it's brutal. (laughs) It's Fucking brutal. But everything, even though they're taking these dicks, like some of the stuff they're saying, it's just eating away at you. And you're just like, yeah, why the fuck am I doing this? Right? This isn't the right thing to do. Like, what am I doing here? What's going on? Like, why Why did I do. Ugh. So, yeah, I, I, I thought that was good. I think one of my favorite friggin' moments of the film, it, it's gotta be, um, (laughs) well, (laughs) it's, uh, the encounter, let's say, you know what I mean, after his gig, that whole situation, that was just, (laughs) oh my god, oh my god, yeah, that, that was great, and, um, I did like the end, I did like the end, you know, I, I thought it was good to end it like, like that, because I, I, I kind of feel, 
you knew where this film was going, right? That you knew, all, you, you kind of knew all the beats and, alright, so we're going to have this moment and this is going to happen and it's going to go like this and it's going to go like that, right? And they could have gone, you know, in the direction at the end, which I think, re- I think it would have ruined the film. So I like the fact that it went the way it did. And again, that is one of those moments where you're just like in your head, you're in, all right, yeah, 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 yeah. And then, you know, what actually happens? And you're, but also, you are happy, but it's also fucking just like, God damn it Damn it You know what I mean So you feel that I mean Yeah so it's They they do really get A lot of these moments You know So although Yeah you know It's a little uneven There are like some Clunky dialogue moments And all of that And you know I think sometimes during the arguments or certain moments, they're playing this music, which is a bit like, mm, it doesn't always fit. Like, the music itself is fine. I liked a lot of the songs. They don't always kind of fit that moment, right? But when you really, you know, just break it all down, you you know you you take the essence of what you're watching, right? And it's a nice film. It's a nice film that does kind of get at the heart of the story it's telling us. You know what I mean? I that's I do think it gives you it gives you that, right? So. For an indie effort, for something that, you know, I it's probably a crazy low budget and all of that. Like, yeah, this is this is alright. This is okay. Like, I would rather watch something like this than say like Desperados that we talked about the other week. Right, this for me is better than that. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, I'd say look, if you're looking for something with a you know with a nice heart, you're looking for something kind of easy, then yeah, check out timing, right? And the added bonus, we get we get some fun little comedy sets sprinkled in the film as well. Like Derek Gaines fucking kills it. <laughs> I mean, I got one arm. <laughs> Yo, yeah, games killed it, man. Games killed it. Um, and we do see the progression of um, Cannon's character with the comedy through through the film, which is you know, yeah, it works. It's great. It's cool. So um, yeah, it's on Prime. So. You know, if you've got a membership, you get to watch it for free, which is uh, always good. And, um, you know, 
I think, boom. Also, hey, you can go listen to Irish Goodbye. Go check out Gas Digital, you know, on YouTube as well. So you've got that. The comedy special is out. So there's more Mike Cannon that we can get after this, right? So this is like the, the gateway drug into the world of Mike Cannon, as it were. But uh, yeah, timing. It's not bad, right? It's not bad um, at all. Okay, so I um, just finished watching The Old Guard. So this is the new film from director Gina Prince Bivewood. Yeah, and you'll know her from such work as Love and Basketball, Disappearing Act, Secret Life of Bees, Beyond Delights. And, you know, I think it'd be fair to say... Can she do this? You know what I mean? Like, because this is a different type of films to the ones that she's previously done, right? But, uh, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I think the proof is in the pudding, right? So it's produced by David Elson, Dana Goldberg, Don Granger, Charlie Ferron. Beth Kuno, A.J. Dix, and Mark Evans. Uh, it's based on a um, graphic novel. It's actually a five-part graphic novel series from uh, Greg Rucker and Leandro Fernandez. And Rucker actually was, you know, given the chance to adapt his own material, which is... An interesting thing, but some people can do it, some people can't. And Rucker shows he's very competent in the act, you know. And the film is starring Charlize Theron, Kiki Lane, uh, Matthias Sharancharats, uh, Marwen Kenzari, Luca Marinelli, and Chitwell. It were for. Uh, the music is from uh, Hoishka and Dustin O'Callaghan. Cinematography is Tammy Araika and Barry Aykroyd. And the film is uh, this, basically. So... It's a led by a warrior named Andromache of Scythia, otherwise known as Andy Ferron, a covert um, a covert group of tight knit mercenaries with a mysterious inability to die have fought to protect the mortal world for centuries. But when the team is recruited to take on an emergency mission and their extraordinary abilities are suddenly exposed, it's up to Andy and Niall, who's played by Lane, the newest soldier to join their ranks, to help the group eliminate the threat of those who seek to replicate and monetize their power by any means necessary. 
Yeah. That's the gist. And, hey, it does sound like a compelling, you know, watch. Like the taglines, forever is harder than it looks. Right? Um, And that's what the film tries to demonstrate. So we start off and we have our, our main group coming together. And that's when they meet with Copley, who's played by Etifor, um, who gives them this mission, right? To, and at first they're kind of, you know, sceptical. But, you know, it's to save a group of kidnapped kids. So they're just a bit like, all right, yeah, of course, yeah. Let's, let's go, let's do this, disappear, you know, it's what we do. Right, um, so yeah, that's when you kind of discover ah, it's a setup, right? It's a setup, and so it kind of goes from there. Well, actually, you know, the film actually starts with kind of you're in the setup, right? When it's just kind of gone down, and we have Ferron kind of giving us a you know, a narration, right, but so yes, we get the setup, and then we go into um, Niall's kind of how she fits into the story, Uh, and I think one of the things I really liked about this is some of the little effects, right, so when we've got Niall, you know, with her team, um, I believe they're in Af- Afghanistan And they're kind of hunting this person Right, and so they're talking to this group of women Trying to get information And it was little details like the eye contact The eye contact and just the, the subtle movements To indicate what needed to be done and a lot of times in films, those, you know, it, it's it's from a distance, and I can't always see those things, but I like the way that um, Bywood kind of really kind of pinpointed those moments, so it, it wasn't just a, a completely zoom in, like, look, look, but she gave enough priority to these things visually that helped with the flow of the story. You know, she just took this kind of intimate moment. Because obviously, you know what I mean? The women didn't want to overtly show that they're helping or anything like that. So it is a delicate kind of moment, really, when you think about it. And it was kind of brought to life in this way, and especially with like the use of the camera, the kind of circling shot, and all of that. So, you know, we then have this whole kind of setup with Niall, um, who realizes that, yeah, something ain't right, right? Something ain't right. So, there's two objectives now. To find Copley and uh, yeah, work out why the motherfucker betrayed them, and then also, hey, 
track down Nile. So we have the main team doing one thing and Andy goes to look for Nile. And the thing, you know, so I guess there are a lot of, um, you know, tropes in this. Uh, like things that you always see in films and beats that you always see in these type of films, right? It's not... It's not new in that respect, you know? So, you know, the film moves through some of these patterns. You know, like, um, you know, they they find people. It's the realisation of what's going on. You know, there's a betrayal. There's kind of a, a, a moment of clarity, a redemptive moment. You know, it hits these kind of things. But, I guess, you know, there's a thing that elevates it, that separates it from, like, other stuff that, you know, we might see. You know? Uh, I guess one thing would be um, the recent Warrior Nuns um, series that... uh, Kind of hit um, Netflix Now, so When we had Andy and Niall Meet up, right So, you know A lot of times that we see You know, these kind of things Go down And, you know, a character Goes, hey, you know This is how it happens And you should come And it's usually a We get a bit of, but I don't want to. And then they finally come and we we get a blind kind of acceptance of the situation. That, you know, it never really, it never feels right. You know what I mean? Because there's always like, I guess in real life, you know, there's situations that you might find yourself in, and people are like, come, let's do this. And you're like, nope. And, you know, you might go, all right, look, I'll come this far, but I'm still not. And there's hesitance, and there's questions, and there's things, and there's resistance, right? But you don't always see that in film and TV. But I did like the fact that on the plane, it was, we had that kind of moment, you know, we had a good chunk of moment where it was just like, "Mm, no, 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 this ain't happening, and then even after that, there was still, right, I still need questions, you know what I mean, I I, I still need answers, there's issues here for me, and there was only a, a, a real moment that makes, you know, I think it makes Niall rethink a few things, which I felt made sense. Yeah, that all works. That makes sense for me. You know, so there was that, which I thought really worked. Um, now, ah, our big villain... How Mr. Maverick. The one thing that kind of is a, it's a small weird thing, right? It's a small weird thing that I was just kind of like was getting me a bit. 
right? So it seemed that they wanted to make him, you know, because it's like, hey, I'm the youngest director of a pharma startup. <laughs> but, uh, you know, then you usually see these young kind of up-and-coming villains and they kind of want to rock the hoodie look and all of this. But it looked like he had a hoodie sewn into his suit. I'm like, is the hoodie sewn into the suit? Or is he wearing a super thin hoodie underneath the suit? It's a small thing, but it kind of bugged me. (laughs) It kind of bugged me because I needed a little clarity on the situation. Because he always seemed to have a hood. And I was like, what the fuck is that? (laughs) Is it a hoodie in a suit? Because if you can find hoodies in suits, who the fuck started that shit? Because it ain't a great look. It looks ridiculous. (laughs) It's not good. I know. It's a stupid thing. It did bug me a little. Uh, (laughs) Alright. Now. Right. So there were obviously. There are things. Because yes it is me. Right. So there are things that bugged me in this. Right. So I. You know. I guess it's like Copley bugged me a lot. You know, that story arc, there are definitely good chunks of that that irritate me, you know, it's like, yes, you know, it's kind of cliche, it's like, ah, you know, my wife and she was sick and, you know, she didn't even recognise me at the end and blah, 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 yes, get it, all of those things, it's tough, it's hard, but... As a justification, especially after some of the things that we then learn, right? It doesn't quite make sense. You know what I mean? There's parts of it and you're just like, okay, but why would he then, huh? What? Explain this to me, please. You know, so that part of the story, it was irritating a bit, you know, and again, Booker, um, you understand his reasoning, but the execution is a little, but, huh, but why, like, why would you... You know what I mean? Because there there was other ways of doing that. You know, especially when, like, you kind of work out initially, you know, samples, right? So you kind of would be, "Mm, there's ways of going about that. So that bit, yeah, that's a problematic for me too. Uh, But... You know, there's a lot I did like, like the fight scenes, the fight scenes did have a nice fluidity to them, you know, it was like a dance, it did work within the confines of the action, you know, and especially when you factor in, I can't die, (laughs) you know what I mean, so there was a lot in that, that was like, yes, these fight scenes actually work for me. Now, 
they do throw in some MMA moves. You know, that I'm just like, people ain't gonna actually use that shit in a fight because it makes you way too vulnerable, you know. And it does become a little, you know, it, it makes the whole kind of outcome a little bit sloppy. So, mm, that. It's always a little irritating when they're throwing that in, but you do realize that because MMA is so popular now and attractive as you know a form of combat, because you know what I mean. We do actually see it is putting so much together, and yeah, it is a a true representation of who the fuck is the toughest, right? So you can see why. Choreographers and films want to p- utilize this and put this into the action, but yeah, that hmm, you know, but everything else, yeah, it makes sense, you know, and especially when you know they're setting up things like you know, taking lead point the way they kind of did that, that all works, and I thought, yeah, I like that, I like that kind of part of it. Um, now, we, we they do throw in some other elements within the story Like, you know, lost friends And the whole kind of situation with the immortality and everything like that Now, there is one thing Because you do wonder, right? You're like, I, there are ways to find people You know what I mean? Like there's tracking these things, there's like sonar, there's, you know, you kind of think, wait, well, like, why haven't they utilised any of those? And then with the whole, you know, trying to find Copley, you're just thinking, wait, why is this taking, it shouldn't take as long, you know? And also, just as a security means, they didn't really utilise anything, and you kind of would think... That they would Right Now Like the Copley thing Kind of makes a bit more sense When some other things unfold But yeah That is a point that Had me scratch my head a little bit But Yeah I, You know I felt the flow of the film Is pretty good you know, the flow is pretty good. I did like the um the situation with Nile at the end. You know, that all kind of worked for me and kind of served as a real reason for a change, you know. And then the whole kind of going back and like yeah, all of that I enjoyed and it worked. Uh, I I thought the film did insert some some moments that ah, you although you know I think if not done correctly would have seen mad cheesy you know like the whole I think the backlava kind of thing works in um, kind of emphasizing the immortality. Right, the age, and also as a as a kind of way just to kind of 
hone things in, right? So I, I thought that was good, and I liked the bit in the van. I liked the bit in the van, you know, the declaration. And yes, it might be because, even, like, deep down, <laughs> you know, what I mean, if you cut through everything, I do like a little bit of romance. You know what I mean? But I, I, I kind of felt that. You know, I think the situation between, um, you know, Joe and Nikki, it's not kind of forced, right? It, it's not this kind of thing in the film, like, uh, by the way, um, we have two gay characters, uh, just so you know, yeah, we are doing outfit on diversity. We have two gay characters. It's a gay love thing. Oh, look, people. Gay love. You know, it, it, it's not this shoehorned, forced thing that a lot of people seem to do. Do you know what I mean? They don't really kind of add nuance to a situation. They don't make it seem fluid and just natural. And I did think that this film kind of showed that connection really well. And that bit in the, in the truck, yeah, that worked. Because when people try and make you feel bad, when people try and throw things in your face, there are ways that you come back at them, you know, especially when there's not, a lot else that you can do, you know what I mean, to, you know I mean, you, you do certain things to show people that, you know, what, you think that hurts me, do you not fucking realise that there's shit that's a lot deeper than that, there's connections that transcend this mere petty bullshit, and I think that worked real well like that. So I enjoyed it, you know? Yeah, I enjoyed it. It worked. Now, there are moments at the end, and I'd say, like, the... Hmm. There's a moment with Copley, you know what I mean? When it's kind of like, okay, all right. So that's how that's going to work. Now, that was a bit like, uh, mm, okay, really? You know what I mean? It's a bit too, it is one of those cliches that was thrown into the film, right? It was, but okay, fine, I'll go with it. And yeah, the final, like, there's, there's so much in the film that does kind of scream to you that, yeah, this isn't done, right? There's more to this story, you know, but the end, did we need it, did it to end in the way it did? You know what I mean? I'm a bit like, mm, I don't know. Now, I look, I'm not going to say it's not intriguing, but when you're going six months later, you know, and you throw something in there that 
plays on something that's been in the film where it's just like, and we don't know, we can't do this thing. And then suddenly, boom, there it is. Yeah, it's a bit too on the nose. Bit too on the nose, you know what I mean? But yeah, no, I did enjoy the film. I enjoyed the film. I felt that, yeah, the dialogue isn't groundbreaking. It's not groundbreaking, you know? But when you break down the situations, it works. Like, we don't need, like, you know, flowing kind of statements and grand gestures, grossy, grand grossy, can't think of the word, but you know what I'm trying to say, I feel you know what I'm trying to say people, like we don't need those big moments, you know, because shit in life don't go like that, you know, sometimes it's a brief exchange, it's a few words, so yeah, like everything kind of worked for me, Right now, I would say that there are things that seemed a bit too clean, you know, like how soldiers in Afghanistan seemed a bit too clean, right? The, the, the fact that you, you've probably been on assignment is it assignment? Uh, I can't think of the name Deployment I think that's the word, right? When you've been on deployment for a while There's wear and tear You know what I mean? You can see a haggardness You you can see A kind of detachment Right? And everyone looked a bit too fresh You know what I mean? A bit too fresh And even our Immortals Right, they did seem a bit too Calvin Kleiny. You know what I mean? Just on a fashion shoot at times, kind of. Right? So I would say there's that. You know? It, it, yeah, they, they, that, that could have been worked on a little bit. You know what I mean? Just give that worn look, make you feel that, yeah, sometimes this shit's been. Going for a while, people feel a bit haggard, you know. But just taking that away as a film, yeah, I enjoyed this film. I really did. You know, it's, I think, as something that's kind of a, isn't, I don't know, like, I wouldn't say it's a superhero flick. But it, 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 it's something that's kind of has that intent, right? It, it, it's in, a, you know, when you've got immort- immortal people and everything like that running around. Um, yeah, that's a tone, right? And I think it worked so much better than some things that we've seen of late, you know? I think as a, a comic book ad- adaptation, this this was good. Yo, this worked for me. Uh, it was, you know, I I I enjoyed this more than, um, let's say like Aquaman or like the Boys and 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 things like that. 
You know, I, I, yeah, this was enjoyable. You know, and would I like to see more? Yeah, fuck it, I'd like to see more. You know, I think everyone showed a lot of skill with this. You know, I just thought the shots worked really well. You know, the cinematography was great. The the way um life would uh kind of move through the scenes. You know, there was a a grace in the movement, a nice flow in the visual narration of what we saw. I thought that was good. I thought the music Although there was a point I was thinking, oh, is this going to get a little much? But no, it did It did kind of work. It wasn't overpowering in a lot of, in, in most of the scenes. It wasn't overpowering, you know? So, yeah, this was enjoyable as an action film. You know, I thought everyone played the part pretty well. You know, yeah, I would definitely um, recommend this, people. Go check it out. It's on Netflix. Um, yeah, Blythewood. She, uh, yeah, she did a <laughs> a good job. You know, going in, did like, did I think the person that made Love and Basketball could do a great action flick? Yeah, I wasn't quite sure. You know, I honestly wasn't quite sure, but god damn, I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, I really did. So, um, and by the way, Love and Basketball is one of my favorite films. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, it like it works. It really does work. So yeah, I recommend um going and giving it a shot. Okay, it's on Netflix, people, so uh, you can um, go do that. It's um, it's 124 minutes, you know, so just over two hours, but it doesn't drag, you know. There are, it's not completely fast-paced all the way, but, yeah, it works. It, it works on a pacing level, so, yeah, give it a shot, people. Give it a shot. If you like things like Polar, you know, if you like a good action film like uh, Hensworth's last one, that was good. You know, it just, yeah, it's good. It's a lot of fun. All right? Cool. Okay, people. So we draw to the end of another episode but before we bounce let's see what's happening in the world of film okay so it would seem that michael dowes um has joined derek kolstad in uh yeah Creating a film version of the uh, video game Just Called. So Dows will be directing and Callstad will be writing the script. You know, the game uh, made a gangload of cash. So I'm sure that, uh, yeah, you know, 
They want to try and duplicate that with film revenue. Uh, so they talked about rebooting this film series for a long ass time, but now it has been confirmed that John Hamm will be uh, stepping on board Miramax's reboot of Fletch as uh, Fletch, as it were. Uh, so um, yeah. It, they're still going to use Gregory McDonald's books as the uh, the base for uh, these um, films, and they're going to be using Confess Fletch, the second book in the series, as the framework for this new film. Um, yeah, Ham and Connie Tavell. Um, yeah, I think they're producing the film So, I don't know, we'll see We'll see if this is any good um, Apple are continuing their, uh, yeah Their current trend of acquiring uh, mad content They have just uh, grabbed um, the new film Palmer which is uh, starring Justin Timberlake as the uh, yeah the, the lead character Eddie Palmer, also Juno Temple, June Squibb, Ryder Allen, and Alicia Wainwright. Uh, so um, it's uh, been directed by Fisher Stevens, Cheryl uh, Guerrero is writing the script. And the film is about Eddie Palmer, a former college football phenom who, after a stint in prison, returns to his hometown to get his life back on track. He faces not only lingering conflicts from his past, but a much more surprising challenge as he finds himself in charge of a unique young boy, a bad abandoned by his wayward mother uh, so um, yeah I think Black Adam is uh, you know gonna be um, going into production soon so we know Rock Dwayne Johnson is playing Black Adam but it has just been confirmed that Noah Centineo Will be uh, playing the character Adam Smash Atom Smasher. Uh, so yeah, supposedly this character um, has control over his molecular structure and can manipulate his size, strength, and durability. So uh, yeah. Um, there is that Okay uh, Some other news um, Netflix are going to be releasing The Devil All The Time On September the 16th So this is the Antonio Campos film um, Which is an adaptation of Donald Ray Pollock's novel 
Um, and it's starring Tom Holland, Robert Pattinson, Bill Skarsgård, Sebastian Stan, Mia Wakakoski, uh, Riley Keough, Jason Clark, Haley Bennett, Harry Melling, and Eliza Scanlon. Woo! What a cast, right? Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is producing. And, um, yeah, the story is, um, it's following a disparate bunch of twisted characters from serial killers to violent sons and spider-handling preachers in southern Ohio and West Virginia in the wake of World War II. Yeah, I don't know. Sounds odd, but we'll see what happens with that. Um, some other Netflix news. All right, so, um, yeah, they have just acquired a new Richard Link later film, which is um, Apollo 10 and a half, a space, a space age adventure. And, um, it's an animated film, right? So, um, yeah, before this, Link Leader had only made two other animated features. Um, so, Glenn Powell and Jack Black have Joe, uh, have both um, just signed on for the project. Uh, and, um, yeah, Link Leader wrote the script. I think it's inspired by... Um, Growing up in Houston Okay, so uh, Yeah, the story unfolds From two interwoven Perspectives One is the astronaut And mission Control view of the Triumphant moment The other from an excited Perspective Of a kid living near NASA, but mostly watching It on TV Like hundreds of millions of Others Okay so um, They're going to be utilising Live action Hand drawn and computer Animation here And uh, Yeah It's also On the cast Zachary Levy, Josh Wiggins Milo Coy Lee Eddy Bill Wise Natalie LaAmour Jessica Brian Cohen, Sam Chipman, and Danielle Gilbert. Okay, and we are ending on this. So, right, this is interesting. Um, Greg Rucker is penning a um, a new screenplay, uh, which is. Um, yeah, hopefully starring Gail Godot, right? Um, and I don't know. There's not a lot about the film, but um, I think it might be based. It's a spy action thriller, right? So uh, yeah. 
uh, I think it's based on one of his, um, you know, properties. So, um, hey, it could be interesting. You know, he um, he wrote. He wrote the script to uh, The Old Guard, which we talked about this episode. So uh, I think it's got potential. Uh, I'm going to be keeping an eye out and seeing what happens with this because, hey, Rucker writes great comics and it looks like he can write a decent film as well. You know what I mean? But people, we're done. We, um, yeah, we're finished for another week Enjoy your film watching people And, uh, we will catch you next week Alright So, um, yeah, remember Go to the episode information And you can get a, um, you know A code for a free trial on Shudder And, uh, disappearance at Clifton Hills is out on Monday the 20th of July. Alright. Have a great weekend, people. Enjoy your film watching, and we will catch you next Thursday. Alright? Peace.